Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to episode 12 of my podcast, But First Pivot. Today, I have a special guest with me. My friend, registered dietitian, Anna Bonangle. Anna, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Danny. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm going to let Anna introduce herself and what she does because it's going gonna, it's gonna to come a lot better coming from her. So, Anna, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, sure. So I call myself a fertility dietitian. And essentially what I do is I help women who are struggling to get and stay pregnant to avoid all of the agony of failed fertility treatments and finally get their baby like all through real food and natural lifestyle adjustments and some strategic testing, basically taking a really personalized approach to their nutrition to help them get pregnant more quickly and easily. It's pretty much the best, most rewarding work of all time. Because you help people make babies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite taglines is let's make a baby. I love that. That would be fun to say. Let's make a baby. And for mine is let's pivot. But I feel like yours is a little bit more fun. Totally. But we help some of our clients make babies and we call them pivot babies, um, which is super fun. Um, But can you tell us a little bit about why you ended up in this specific field of nutrition? Because there's a lot of registered dietitians out there. I do mostly performance and body composition, you know, a little bit of this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, but why did you go into the fertility nutrition field? Yeah. And um, it's kind of a, it's, it's a somewhat lengthy story. So I'm going to do my best to keep it concise because I, I really came about it from a few different angles. Like first professionally, actually, one of my first careers almost a decade ago now was in developing Um, a health promotion program. It was called Pregnancy Exercise and Nutrition, but it was specifically for the medical care providers and the researchers and the educators at an academic medical center. And so I was leading these groups of like the most highly educated medical professionals in how to take care of themselves when they were pregnant. And it just really opened my eyes to how little education that other healthcare providers really get in this space and how much uh, need for support there really is. Um, And so then I I went off and started a private practice supporting women in preconception, prenatal and postpartum. And then I started to try and make my own babies. And I had assumed that like as a dietitian, right, I was like a marathon runner. I ate gobs of salad. I had assumed like I was I was 34, so I was a little bit older, but I still thought my healthy lifestyle would be enough. And it was like really eye-opening to me to discover that A, like just being healthy isn't always enough. And B, how little education and support and like guidance on next steps you get from the like conventional preconception care. I literally was working across the hall from my OB, and all she would give me was like try for 12 months and then come back. And, you know, somebody who was like, I had my heart set on being a mom. I was kind of like WTF. No way. I need, I need some, I need to be more proactive about this. Um, 
And so then that kind of set me off on my own journey to figure out like, why am I not getting pregnant? And then when I lost a baby and like really hit rock bottom, um, I did get some testing done from my OB and everything came back quote unquote normal. And so then I was even more determined, like, you know, I, I didn't want to just be fast tracked to IVF. I wanted to get myself some answers. So I feel like I went through a really long kind of treacherous road to get myself those answers. And, and my story has a happy ending. I've got two really beautiful baby boys now. Um, but I, I just saw so clearly like how hard it was for me to get answers and how it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Like there, we have answers about how you can improve your fertility from a nutrition and lifestyle perspective, but that information isn't getting out there. So I basically made that my mission to help women take control of their health and their fertility and feel really empowered along the way. Right. Just really advocate for themselves. And when the doctor says, try for 12 months, you're saying you don't have to, you can get answers sooner than later. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I just didn't feel comfortable with the perspective of let's wait. And then once there's a problem, then we'll see what we can fix it rather than trying to prevent a problem to begin with. Right, right, right. And that's, you know, it's, it's kind of like that time of year reminds me of people that, that get sick and then they start taking vitamin C and us registered dietitians are like, or you can prevent getting sick by eating vitamin C rich foods and, and zinc and, you know, being healthy and moving your body. And that way you can prevent getting sick, but it's too late to take vitamin C. I mean, it'll help you recover a little bit faster, but we don't want to wait until we're sick to take vitamin C. Just like we don't want to wait until there's a problem to do something about, you know, our, our fertility and trying to make a baby. Yeah, especially in the fertility realm, because now women are waiting later and later to start trying, which is great, right? Like women have careers and other passions and pursuits, but it also means time is of the essence, right? So like, you know, once you're in your 30s, mid 30s, late 30s, I have a lot of women coming to me who are over 40. They're like, I don't have six months to wait. I need to get this going now. Right. So prevention is everything. Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited. Uh, thanks for sharing a little bit about your background and you know why you went into this field. Today, Anna and I are going to go over five essentials to prep your body for a healthy pregnancy. And some of the stuff we already mentioned, we're going to come in back to that. We're going to dive a little deeper. Uh, but Anna, what would you say is the number one thing people, people, women, uh, can do to start. We'll come back to the men later. We'll come back to them. Um, yeah. What's one thing that women can do to prep their body for a healthy pregnancy? Yeah. And I'll start with nutrition because you're a dietitian. I'm a dietitian. This is our wheelhouse. And I really do believe it begins with blood sugar balance. So I, you know, just sort of quickly mentioned that I do some strategic functional medicine type testing. And what I like to explain to people is that no matter what the results we get back in your hormones and your thyroids and your like, you know, blood panel, it all still has to start with blood sugar balance because that is required for good egg quality and for sex hormone balance. And I do like that you say people, because this totally applies to men too, right? Men have to have good blood sugar balance to support their sperm quality. Um, so, you know, every dietitian has their own cutesy little acronym for teaching blood sugar balance. And the one that I really like to use is FF. PP. So this is fat, making sure every time you eat, you've got a good source of healthy anti-inflammatory fats, fiber. So not choosing a low carb diet, but 
making sure that you choose a ton of healthy carbs that are full of fiber. P is protein. So every time you eat, having a good source of protein. And then the fourth P is um, phytonutrients. And so essentially what I mean by this is really brightly colored vegetables, because those provide the health benefits that protect your egg quality um, and, and really boost your health to the next level beyond just what you get from vitamins and minerals. So the um, in terms of designing your plate for blood sugar balance, those are the components, FFPP. I also recommend eating every three to four hours and not letting your blood sugar crash because that's what kickstarts the roller coaster where your blood sugar crashes and then you're starving and you have no willpower left and you crave the chips and the cookies or whether it's sweet or salty, you're out of control when you let your blood sugar crash too low. So keeping that blood sugar level steady by eating FFPP every three to four hours throughout the day. Yeah, blood sugar balance. We talk about this a lot in our program. And so many times when I bring this up for the first time, like, okay, today we're going to talk about blood sugar balance meals. And often my clients say, Danny, I'm not diabetic. And I'm like, I know we blood sugar balance. Like you said, it's for everybody. This is this is health. Having balanced blood sugars is health. It's energy. It's preventing, you know, being irritable and moody and, you know, just not feeling good overall. So blood sugar balance is not just for people who their doctor is like, hey, you're pre-diabetic, like we, we got to do something or you have type 2 diabetes. No, blood sugar balance is for everybody, men, women, children, the elderly. It's for everybody. So blood sugar balance is cool. That's the cool thing to do. Balance your blood sugars. Roller coasters are cool, but not when it comes to blood sugars. Um, And like you mentioned, cravings. A lot of people struggle with cravings, especially sweet cravings. And one of the number thing, one of the number one recommendations for reducing cravings is blood sugar balance meals every three to four hours. Yeah, that's it. And the way we teach it, similar to you, yours is FFPP, ours is PFF. And we say PFF is your BFF, protein, fat, fiber. And you mentioned the phytonutrients. That's the colorful fruits and veggies. We kind of throw those into the fiber category because typically colorful fruits and veggies will provide fiber. If not, hey, they're providing micronutrients. And that's the thing when when people track macros, sometimes we do some macro coaching. It's it's not just about protein, carbs, fat. Like, yes, we want to create balance, but we also need micronutrients. We need the vitamins and the minerals and the antioxidants from these foods. It's not enough to just hit the numbers if they're not yeah. high quality, if they don't contain any nutrients. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I like to say quality over quantity. It's not about counting grams of carbs or calories. It's about getting the highest nutrient density and quality of your food. You know, and, and the reason that I am always sure to include that P for phytonutrients in is because particularly for fertility, you really have to make sure you're getting not just the vitamins and minerals, but also the antioxidants, because that's what's key to egg and sperm quality. And what we're really talking about here is preventing miscarriage. And after I went through it myself, I just know the mindset of like, I want to do everything I possibly can that is within my power to prevent that. And phytonutrients are like, they're your little soldiers at on your in your follicles, like protecting your eggs from DNA damage that can cause miscarriage. 
Yeah, phytonutrients, so yeah. phytonutrients, fruits and veggies, they're going to help you thrive. And you have not you and I have talked about this before. Some people are eating to survive, but why would you just want to survive when you can thrive? We're all about thriving yeah. here. So, thriving yeah. not surviving, get those phytonutrients in, the fruits and vegetables. And you mentioned um quality over quantity, so I want to I want to move on to number 2. And talk about quantity. So, yes, we want quality, but we also want to make sure we're eating enough. Yeah, 100%. And this is one of the most common things that I see among women who come to me is that they're under eating, particularly earlier in the day. Like almost everybody who comes to me is skimping on breakfast and we work hard to get their breakfast up and total intake up. So here's the deal. No matter what your starting BMI, even if you're quote unquote normal weight, overweight, it doesn't matter. If you are under eating, your thyroid is going to shut down ovulatory function. And like the sports nutrition world, you know, this is often called the um, athlete triad, right? Where women are over exercising, under eating, they stop getting their period and then their bone health suffers and they're at greater risk for fractures. But Outside of sports nutrition in the fertility realm, you really, it's not about the misconception out there is that you have to lose weight. And it's really not about the number on the scale or your BMI. It's about having a good ratio of muscle to fat and making sure that you're eating enough to support having good muscle mass. Um, so that's in terms of like eating enough. Um, Danny mentioned macros. So I'm 100% about making sure you're getting enough protein, fat, and carb. For fertility is not the time to go low carb or, you know, fall back to the 90s when we were all afraid of fat because you really need each of those macronutrient categories for healthy hormone production. Um, And then to take it to the next level is the micronutrients that you were just mentioning. And this is where I mentioned a second ago that, you know, healthy eating or quote unquote, the healthiest diet isn't always enough in the realm of fertility. And this is because there are a lot of nutrients that we need in greater abundance to support a healthy pregnancy that are really hard to get from our like standard healthy American diet. You know, so some of these nutrients are like omega-3 fatty acids that you primarily get from salmon or fatty fish, vitamin D, choline, um, even preformed vitamin A. There's kind of a long list of nutrients that if you're not paying really conscious attention, you're likely not getting enough of them and you do need them to support your optimal fertility. So that was a long-winded answer, <laughs> Danny. Hopefully that wasn't more than, than you wanted. No, no, no. It, it's really, but we have to come back and really emphasize we have to eat enough. So many people, especially women, come to us for for hormonal help. You know, you know, maybe their their yeah. hormones are, are all over the place or their cortisol or they just don't feel good. They feel awful. They're exhausted. Their sleep is terrible. And the number one thing is eating enough, even if they want to lose body fat. Eating enough yeah. is step one. We have to we have to be at at least at maintenance calories if we're tracking calories in order to thrive, in order to have good biofeedback. So that's sleep, mood, energy, performance, even stress management. Eating enough is number one. And when people come to us, if they're under eating, we make sure that they start eating enough food before we do anything else. Whether they want fat loss or not, eating enough is step one. Because we 
we really need to focus on nourishing the body first and foremost. We live in a society still where it's all about being smaller. And I'm glad that there's kind of a shift in social media where strong women are trending and that's becoming more of a thing, you know, like yeah. hashtag girls who lift all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's really step one is eating enough. So right now, if you're eating 1200 calories and you don't feel good and you're not seeing results, honey, the answer is to eat more. Yeah, preach it. I it, love it's it. to eat yeah. more. And honestly, most of the time, it's eating more carbohydrates. That's the one mm-hmm. macronutrient that people are under eating the most. I think everyone knows that they need more protein, even though most of our clients struggle to eat enough. But it's really, yeah. it's the carbs that we see that people are scared to eat. And it's really weird when people tell me that they're afraid to eat bananas, but they're drinking beer on the weekend. I don't understand (laughs) how the beer is more beneficial to the body than the banana. But we're terrified of bananas and fruit and natural sugars, but we drink wine and beer without even questioning it. And so if you're afraid of eating fruit... You have full permission to eat fruit fear free. I promise. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said that. So I actually get a lot of questions about that in terms of blood sugar balance. So people will be like, but what about fruit? Isn't fruit high in sugar? And the key, if you're concerned about blood sugar balance, is absolutely eat fruit. Get all of those phytonutrients, get the electrolytes, get the vitamins, and just pair it with some good protein and some fat, you know, and that's going to be what helps keep your blood sugar stable. Exactly. And in the podcast episode I recorded a few weeks ago, it was on snacking. And I mentioned snack like a pro, protein plus produce. Mm -hmm. So have the fruit, have an apple, have pineapple, have a banana, pair it with a protein source. And the thing is, is that, okay, fruit has natural sugars. And now we're getting into a whole fruit convo, but I think people need to hear it. (laughs) But yes, fruit have fruit has natural sugar. That's a fact. But fruit also has vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients and antioxidants. So when we weigh the pros versus the cons, there is like 10 pros and then there's a potential con that there's natural sugar, but the body needs carbohydrates to thrive. And if we're going to get some carbs in the body, fruits are one of the best places to get carbs. And we need way, way more than 100 grams to to thrive and especially to support a healthy pregnancy. I had a fertility yeah. client who came in like 76-ish grams of carbs. And I was like, okay, we have to work our way up to at least 150 grams. Because, mm-hmm. and when they, at first they're afraid, and we might see a little weight gain, but that's because when we eat more carbohydrates, we store them in our muscles. And, you know, that's going to get scientific, so we won't go there. But, <laughs> but basically- well, I think what's- there though is right that the carbs also attract water exactly. so sometimes it's that's exactly your water weight yep right for every gram of glycogen you store you kind of bring in about four grams of water um so i'm not worried about it when i give my clients more <laughs> carbs and they're like the scale went up i'm like that's because you went from 75 grams of carbs to 150 but how much better do you feel and they're like yeah. oh my gosh i feel so much better and it, it's it's a hard mindset shift at first because a lot of these these women, these clients come from a keto diet or a low carb diet. So they're afraid. But once they feel energized from these carbohydrates, they're like, oh, my gosh, I can never go back. I feel so much better. I'm recovering from my workouts better. I'm sleeping better. So mm-hmm. all this to say, 
We got to eat enough and carbs Mm -hmm. are your friend and so is fruit. And I'll just add on, I know we've already, you know, dove deep into this, but I think from the fertility perspective, I've heard it estimated that you need 200 grams of carbs a day to be able to ovulate regularly. So I don't with my clients, like get into the nitty gritty of counting grams of carbs. I I feel like that doesn't always serve people, but just to emphasize your point, like if you're not getting your period regularly, if your hormones aren't in balance, absolutely. You, you need to be eating more carbs. Yeah. Carbs are the answer to a lot, a lot of problems, just low energy, fatigue, hormone imbalance, infertility, carbs, but the right carbs, at least 80% of the time, 80, 20, you can have a donut. There's donuts in the station. I'm at the radio station now. And I walked by to get to my little pod and I'm like, did someone bring cinnamon buns? And then I was like, oh, there's a whole stack of donuts and I'm staring at them. And I was really tempted to put a post-it like pair this donut with a protein source because there's like so many donuts. There's like three dozen boxes of donuts. I put in my Instagram story. So hopefully people that are working here saw it because I almost left a note saying, please pair this with protein to balance your blood sugars. Of course, I can't help it. We should leave a bowl of nuts or something next to the donuts. Yeah. And next time, maybe I'll bring, um, you know, some like cheese sticks or, you know, something like that. But yeah, nuts, nuts would be a good pairing from your friendly neighborhood dietitian. (laughs) Your radio station dietitian. There you go. Kind of like the Easter bunny, but the dietitian version. Too funny. So, you know, the first two things we talked about to prep your body for a healthy pregnancy, blood sugar balance meals, eating enough. Now we're going to dive into getting the right nutrients. We talked about it a little bit, but let's dive a little bit deeper into how we can get the right nutrients from food and supplements as well. Yeah. Okay, great. So if you're taking like a big picture view, the quote unquote fertility diet, this was coined by researchers at Harvard School of Public Health. And it is essentially the Mediterranean diet, which I think a lot of people have probably heard of. And really what we're talking about here is eating a tons of fresh fruits and vegetables. You're going to notice we're we're still, you know, repeating the same things, eating whole grains, um, eating you know, not necessarily, you don't have to be vegetarian, but definitely getting good plant-based sources of protein is a part of the fertility diet. So getting your beans and your lentils, um, but also tons of fish, particularly fish like salmon, which is high in the omega-3 fatty acids. Um, One thing that was really interesting about the fertility diet as these researchers studied it is that they found that whole milk dairy products were more highly associated with better ovulatory fertility than non-fat or low-fat. And I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but largely because key nutrients for fertility, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K are all fat soluble. And those nutrients naturally occur in dairy, but if you take all the fat out, then you also lose out on your ability to absorb those key nutrients. Um, I do like to add the caveat though, going back quality matters, really making sure if you're getting full fat that you're getting organic and or grass fed, because oftentimes some toxins can get sequestered in the fat stores. And so that's where we want to be really careful to avoid any kind of growth hormones or antibiotics that they're giving the cattle and get your organic, but go for full fat. So sorry, I digress. So we were just talking about the fertility diet and making sure you're getting all of the nutrients. So to recap, fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, plant-based proteins, as well as some fish, um, 
And then, and these researchers also found it's pretty key to be taking a really high quality prenatal supplement. And this is something that Danny and I have talked about, like all of the really sexy marketing of prenatal supplements in our Instagram feed. And when you dive a little deeper than the like beautiful marketing and the beautiful labels and the convenient subscription packages, most of these really are bare minimum in terms of the nutrients that they supply. They almost never have DHA or enough of the omega-3s. They almost never have choline, or if they do, it's not nearly enough. Preformed vitamin A, vitamin D. There's a long list of nutrients that I like, not not sufficient, not sufficient, not sufficient. So um, I definitely advise like, you know, being really conscientious about which prenatal you choose. They're not all created equal. Don't just get the cheapest one at Target. Do your research. Um, if people are interested, I actually have a free guide on my website for how to make sure you're getting the best prenatal supplements. Um, I'm happy to send that. Yeah, to you we'll put it in the show notes so that people yeah. can look at it. I know um, I know some of my favorite brands. I think the biggest struggle with some of the the top brands like Full Well, for example, I know you love that one. It's it's yep. eight capsules and they're pretty big. And I'm like, oh, yeah. there's so many, so many to take. But you know, we need those nutrients and I split those up four and four. I'm not going to take eight giant pills at once. Um, well, you're actually it's better to split it up for absorption. You know, you're going to pee too much of that out if you take it all at once. So definitely splitting it up. And another key tip with those is that you can open up the capsules and dump it into like yogurt or a smoothie or oatmeal or something. If you have struggled. Well, that's helpful because eight giant pills is not very fun, especially when you also bring <laughs> the omega threes into the mix and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, you you know, one of the brands uh, that we love. And, you know, you mentioned don't just get the cheap ones from Target. Like we're not hating on Target. We're not hating on cheap supplements. But when it comes to supplements and I talk a lot about this with my athletes because athletes often ask about supplements to improve their performance. Not all supplements are created equal. Supplements are not regulated by the FDA. So quality is really important, especially when it comes to fertility. This is the one time in your life where quality matters more than anything. And also if you're a drug tested athlete, third party testing Got to throw it out there just in case (laughs) you need to get a third party tested supplement if you're a drug tested athlete. But this is not the time. I know that fertility can be expensive, especially when people are struggling. But the place to be frugal is not a cheap eight dollar, you know, Walmart target prenatal. This is where we should be investing a little bit more into quality. And maybe we can save some money by not getting a $6 coffee every single day, which can be tempting. Or like, you know, multiple tens of thousands of dollars in fertility treatments, right? I mean, making sure that you have all of the nutrients on board to optimize your fertility and prevent fertility treatments is even if it's a $50 a month supplement is 100% saving you money. Right. Um, I think another point of like why I emphasize a really high quality prenatal is what you said a second ago, Danny, about 80-20. I also think that it's too much pressure on women to try and eat perfectly and like get all of those nutrients from our food and be so nitpicky about it. And like by taking a really high quality prenatal supplement, it's like you can just take a deep breath and like be at ease that you know you're getting everything you need, even if that day doesn't include any vegetables and you have a pizza and donut day, which it happens to everybody, right? We don't want you trying to be perfect. So give yourself like 
a security blanket or nutrition insurance with a high quality prenatal. Yeah, I like that we're coming back to not having to be perfect because I know that women, especially that are struggling, we have we had a few fertility clients in our program and they feel as though they have to be perfect to have like 100 percent like they won't have anything to blame. But sometimes trying to be perfect increases stress and higher stress is not helpful with fertility and pregnancy. Yeah. yeah, not at all. But on that point, that brings us right back to not eating enough because that's one of the main stressors I see on people's bodies. You know, when their cortisol levels are high and their adrenals are pumping out too much stress hormone, it's almost often, it's often because they're not eating enough and that puts your body in a state of stress. So it all circles back. It's all coming full circle. And <laughs> yeah. I think I saw this on your Instagram page. All I, I can only remember the numbers and 66% versus 33%. Is that the effectiveness of the fertility diet versus something else? Or am I making yeah. this up? No, that was really good. You've got photographic memory. Um, so in one round of IVF for women under 35 years old, so the younger women, your chance of getting a baby is only 32.7%. So like 33%. So on average, it takes couples six rounds of IVF. I mean, we're talking, you know, tens of thousands of dollars here. Um, and the fertility diet that I mentioned a second ago out of um, Harvard School of Public Health, their research found that by following, you know, a really high quality fertility diet, again, just think of that as the Mediterranean diet, they were able to improve ovulatory fertility by 66%. So to me, this is like amazing news, right? Because this means that by thriving, by living your healthiest, best life, you are more than twice as likely to be able to improve any ovulation issues and get your baby than if you were to spend like all of the financial and physical and emotional turmoil of going through fertility treatments. Um, I will add that in my personal practice, I have like a 92% healthy pregnancy rate among people who have finished my program. And it's because I take that fertility diet and we take it to the next step and get really personalized. Um, you know, Danny and I are both basically functional dietitians where we take an approach of looking at like your optimal health um, and, and not just diagnosing disease when we're, when we're looking at assessing how you're doing. Um, and so I have found that to be really fruitful. That's amazing. 92%. I high five to you, my friend. Yeah. When I cr crunched those numbers and saw that, I was like, wow, I need to start, start shouting that from the rooftops. Cause that's so awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's much, it's much more, uh, it's a better success rate than the fad diet industry, which I've been talking <laughs> a lot about lately. 5% success rate fad diets. So not ideal. And, wait, and how are they measuring success by like how much weight is lost? Um, I think just, yeah, like long-term um, sustainability because mm. the, the success rate is really high at the beginning for fad diets for fat loss. But what's the point of losing weight if you can't maintain the results? And also if you're miserable, that's all I'm going to say. I, you know, like yeah. it, you don't have to be miserable. Um, before we move love on that. to our, our fourth point, because people love this, what would you say are the top fertility foods? Because people love this kind of stuff. So let, let's give the people what they want. Let's give them maybe five top fertility foods so they can start eating it right now if they're not already doing it. Yeah. Okay, great. I do get this question all the time about top fertility superfoods. So I've mentioned this one a few times already, salmon. Salmon is going to be your best natural food source of omega-3 fats, vitamin D, 
um, preformed vitamin A. It's also got a good certain amount of calcium. If you can eat salmon two to three times a week, that is amazing. And I'm giving you a huge high five. Um, second, I would say is eggs. You know, I, you definitely have to eat the yolk because the yolk is where you're going to find most of the choline and some of the vitamin D, um, the good antioxidants. I recommend eating three eggs a day. You know, a lot of people think one or two eggs is enough, but that's only seven to 14 grams of protein. So I recommend three eggs a day. Um, a third fertility food is leafy greens. We are dietitians, and so we can't forget our vegetables, but dark leafy greens like Swiss chard, kale, spinach really give you a big bang for your buck in terms of antioxidants, in terms of fiber, but also folate. And that's that nutrient, you know, you've probably heard of folic acid for preventing neural tube defects. So dark leafy greens is your best food source of that. Um, on that note, how about avocado is a fourth one. Um, avocado also has folate, but also really good vitamin E, which we have found is supportive of a healthy uterine lining. That vitamin E got tons of fiber, healthy fats for keeping you satisfied. What's yummier than chips and guacamole? In my book, nothing. So, and then, um, okay. So we said salmon, eggs, dark leafy greens, avocado. And the last one I'll put in there is dark chocolate. Um, because as we like to talk about, we're not going for perfect here and life is too short to not allow yourself the sweet treats in life. And dark chocolate has antioxidants and it has magnesium, which is a nutrient that a lot of women are low in and supportive of good sleep and hormonal health. And, you know, as you've heard Danny and I reiterate, like we don't believe in being overly strict. So give yourself some dark chocolate. Yes, love some dark chocolate. Yeah, those those are great. And you and I had talked about this dark chocolate thing a few weeks ago, and how some of my clients are like, "Well, what what do I do with it?" Well, obviously, you can just eat a square again over seventy percent. But what I have some of my clients do that love oatmeal is I have them grate it, like use one of those like mini cheese graters and grate it over their oatmeal, um, and then obviously add some color because we need some phytonutrients. Um, yes, love some dark chocolate, love but. That idea. Over 70% to get some benefits. Well, thanks for sharing those those foods because I know I know that people are like, well, what foods should I eat? Number one, oh. eat enough blood sugar balance meals and then adding those foods in. I personally had all the salmon last night after my volleyball game that did not go so well, but at least I <laughs> had some amazing salmon and Brussels sprouts and potatoes afterwards. So those are the first three things, eating enough blood sugar balance meals, getting the right nutrients, getting a quality prenatal. I'll put Anna's guide in the show notes for her prenatals. Let's move on. We're going to move away from nutrition a little bit. We talked all about nutrition, even some side, you know, side tips about (laughs) fruits and sugars and banned substances with athletes. Um, Another thing is tracking your cycle. Tell us more about how to do this. Uh, because I know a lot of people have an app. I use an app, but, but we can, we can, we can yeah. do better than an app, especially if we are really wanting to get pregnant. Totally. And you have to know, like, what are you, you've got an app, but like, what are you putting in that app? So, you know, I just think women's like health and like literacy of our own body is so important because it's never taught to us. Right. Like basically we view our period as like a nuisance, like, Oh no, I can't wear white pants or I can't go do this sporting event that I want to do or whatever. But really having a regular period is what some people call the fifth vital sign. It's like a key indicator that your health and everything is intact and working optimally. 
So, you know, you need to track some certain, um, you know, metrics around your cycle to make sure that things are within a normal range. So some things to be tracking are how long is your cycle? Your cycle, day one of your cycle starts on the first day of your bleed of your menstrual period. And so from cycle, so from menstruation to menstruation, that's the length of your cycle. But then about halfway in between, we want to make sure that you're ovulating. And we can't take this for granted. Some people do have cycles without ovulating. If you have really long cycles, you might not be ovulating at a predictable time. So you can't get pregnant if you're not ovulating. And you have to make sure you time sex right around that time, the few days before you ovulate. So this is really key. So some things to track would be like symptoms like cramping. A lot of people will get a little bit of cramping when they ovulate, but a key one would be cervical mucus. Um, You know, I know it sounds a little gross to talk about, but I really encourage women to just like get comfortable with what's, what's happening in their panties. Cause it's, it's a really helpful indicator of what's going on. Um, when you see like clear, stretchy cervical mucus, like egg whites, that's your peak fertility mucus. When you're like, if you're trying to get pregnant, time to get it on. If you're trying not to get pregnant, that might be time to make sure you add in a condom or some like extra birth control. Oh, I was going to say kick him um, out of the house, but. Just, yeah, just, kick him out of the house. Like, just, put him on the couch. The day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Um, one more thing that I think is really important to track in terms of your cycle is your basal body temperature. Danny, you were just telling me a second ago about how you started doing this. You've got your thermometer going. Yeah, this morning. But, I don't think it went well. <laughs> it's day one. <laughs> Yeah, but day one, like at least you remember to do it. I feel like it took me a couple weeks to even remember. Yeah. Because the deal is why it's so hard to remember is that you have to do it very first thing in the morning, like literally before your feet hit the floor. Because what it's measuring is your temperature at rest. And it's an indicator of your thyroid health and your metabolic rate. But progesterone, which is the hormone, if you think about it, it's progestation. It's the hormone that supports pregnancy. And you only produce it after you ovulate. And what progesterone does is it stimulates your thyroid and it increases your metabolic rate a little bit. And with that comes an increase in body temperature. So one of the key ways to confirm that you're ovulating is to track your basal body temperature. You have to do it every day for a few months. But after you ovulate, you should see about a 0.5 increase in your BBT. And that should sustain itself for at least 10 days. And that's how you confirm that you've ovulated and that you're producing a good amount of progesterone. And now they have thermometers. I think they connect to your phone, right? Where it just kind of puts the temp in your phone and makes like these fun little graphs. Totally. (laughs) Fun little graphs. Yeah. I I don't have that fancy one. I just have a normal one. Um, But the the problem is, is like you said, like I, I woke up and then like my dogs were, you know, in the picture. And then I took it probably like a minute after once I was already like walking out of the bedroom. And so... Tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another day. (laughs) Well, and that's a good point. It is not a foolproof method, right? Like if you get sick, that can throw off your temperature. If you're traveling, all kinds of things can throw it off. And that's why you say it's like the long-term method. You have to do it every day for a number of months so that you can see like the bigger picture trends. Um, I was just going to say, oh yeah. So I'm using one called Temp Drop, which is basically a bracelet, but you wear it around your upper arm and you wear it all night long. And that connects right to an app and tells you, it gives you interesting data about like the quality of your sleep. I'm not totally sure what to do with that data yet, <laughs> but also tells you your basal body temperature. Um, and how do you feel about fertility strips? Because I feel like that's probably a question that we would get if people were kind of calling in with questions, how helpful are those little strips that you kind of pee on? 
Yeah. Love this question because a lot of people will tell me, yes, I'm ovulating because I get the, you know, the strip tells me I am, but here's the deal. The strip that you pee on measures something called luteinizing hormone, which is LH. LH is the hormone coming from your brain that tells your ovaries, Hey, it's time to ovulate, but that does not mean your ovaries obey that command. And there are some women with um, a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, which is super common. I've heard estimates that one in 10 women have it, but for women with PCOS, your LH is all over the place. So you'll see all kinds of false positives on those tests. So I think that if you have a regular cycle, they can be really helpful for knowing like, okay, I'm about to ovulate. Let's go get it on, honey. But it doesn't confirm that you did ovulate, A. And B, ideally, you want to be having sex a few days before you see that LH surge. So it's like helpful data to have in your toolbox, but I don't recommend relying on that 100%. Yeah, I think it's important to note, and obviously I have I don't have a baby, but it's I think it's we don't learn this stuff in school and people just think like, oh, I have to like have sex when I'm ovulating to get pregnant. And it's really actually doing it like five days before, obviously, like throughout, but starting earlier, not just on that ovulation day. And, you know, I feel like they don't really teach sex ed the way it should be taught in school, especially if you're at I went to a Catholic school run by nuns. So they were definitely not talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, interesting. I won't go too far off on a tangent here, but like we're taught, it's so drilled into us how to prevent pregnancy. Right. And like, if we were to accidentally get pregnant, it's like so much shame around that and it's our fault, but we're never taught how to get pregnant. Right. Like getting pregnant is left to being, it's like a miracle, right? Like almost as though it's out of our hands. And so I really want to claim back power and education around that. Like just as we can do a lot to prevent pregnancy, we can do a lot to help ourselves get pregnant. Um, and it's not too hard. Like everything I'm saying, I'm sure sounds like a lot if it's the first time you're hearing it, but once you dive in, like it's, it's, it doesn't take too long to get a handle on all of this. Yeah. And I think since we're mentioning prevention, you know, preventing getting pregnant, which I feel like we do for like our entire lives until the day we decide, okay, let's have a baby. Um, let's kind of talk about birth control a little bit. How, how soon should people get off birth control? if they know they want to get pregnant. So if I knew that I wanted to start trying in the new year, I should probably already be off birth control. Would you agree? Yeah. Especially because I'm assuming you're talking about hormonal birth control, right? We're not talking about condoms. So um, like an IUD or the shot or a birth control pill, you know, a lot of times those are prescribed for women, not just for preventing pregnancy, but because there's anything going on like acne cramps, heavy periods, sometimes for mood stuff, doctors will prescribe birth control. And the thing about that is that it can be really helpful while you're taking the birth control, but then you never understand what's the underlying mechanism that's causing those issues. So then once you stop taking birth control, that's when all of a sudden you might realize you have irregular cycles or you have really heavy periods or you're starting to break out. And that's, it sucks, right? I mean, a lot of people are like, ah, I'd rather just be on birth control. But in terms of fertility, you've got to be able to figure out what's going on, what's causing those symptoms. And that it really can take a number of months. So um, I recommend taking, getting, stopping hormonal birth control as soon as possible to give yourself, you know, so you're not so crunched, you know, you don't stop taking it the day you want to get pregnant. You give yourself the, the leeway of like a number of months to look at your body, figure out what's going on. Yeah. I was on it for 12 years and 
I didn't I didn't get off of it to get pregnant right away, but I was afraid that after 12 years it would take some time. And I know some women um, that after they got off birth control and still two years later, they still don't have a normal cycle. And that scared me. So I was like, okay, well, if I want to start trying in the near future, you know, I, I need to do this as soon as possible. And even four to five months after getting off 12 years of birth control, I did a Dutch test, which we'll kind of dive into with the the next um, you know point that we want to make. But I had no progesterone. I had postmenopausal amounts of progesterone, and that was yeah. really scary for me because obviously we want to have a family one day. And I it it, it was kind of a wake up call, like okay, I need to do something about this. And I had yeah. when I redid the Dutch test about a year later, which was you know about six weeks ago, because we had talked last year I think about this and I was like I have progesterone and you were like yes you did it and it was so exciting to you know do all the things to kind of I guess bring my hormones back into balance especially those sex hormones because there's nothing like you know being you know being ready and then seeing that progesterone being non-existent and like wow like if I wanted to have a baby I couldn't and that was like super eye-opening Totally. And, and you are such a super healthy gal, right? Like you eat really well, you're so active and still like, you know, your hormones were off. Right. So it's just, I love that you did the Dutch test to like dig a little deeper and see what's going on. And I love that you were able to turn it around, right. Just through lifestyle stuff. Yeah. And it was like you mentioned, like just being healthy and working out sometimes isn't enough, right? Like I, I'm a dietitian. I eat the fruits and vegetables. I get, you know, protein. But it w- there was a lot going on. You know, I I started a business. I wasn't sleeping. My cortisol was awful. So it I really had to take a step back. And I think that's what happens a lot. We live in a burnout society where so many people are burnt out and they're stressed. And, you know, starting yeah. a business, that, that's normal. Like, you're not going to start a business mm-hmm. and it's going to be this magical. Like, I feel great and I'm working, you know, eight-hour days. That's not how it works. But I really had to take a step back and being like, okay, this is how, you know, working 14-hour days and not taking breaks is affecting my health and my fertility and my mood and my relationships. And I really had to take a step back and I had to actually... I was not under eating on purpose, but I was a little bit under what I should be eating for how active I was. So I had to eat more. You know, I actually hired my own dietitian coach to keep me accountable because even if you know what to do, accountability connects the knowing to the doing. Um, I love that. 100%. Just for the record, I've done that too recently. Like hired my own dietitian coach because it's it's so hard to prioritize your own health. And it's so helpful to have like a cheerleader in your corner, right? Yeah, that's where our clients, number one cheerleaders for some clients were their only support system. And it's really fun to be, you know, a part of their journeys, everything, you know, and just being there for them through the whole process. And yeah, like I'm not, I'm not embarrassed, you know, that I, that I hired a dietitian, even though I am one. And I'm not embarrassed that I hired a personal trainer, even though I write workout programs for some of my clients. It's again, it's, it's having accountability and support when life gets crazy. And, you know, we're business owners. So our businesses, you have babies, but my business is my baby. And so without yeah. the accountability, I'm putting all my time and energy into my business and other things start to take a backseat. And that's not okay long term. It's unsustainable. And, you know, being last year 29 and feeling like crap 
and seeing my health kind of take a backseat was just a huge wake up call. Like, okay, this is not sustainable long term. And I I don't know how people go, you know, 5, 10, 20 years feeling burnt out and feeling not good because back to thriving, not surviving. Like, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I want to feel amazing. And it is possible, but you got to put in the work, right? Yeah, it's so true. The the preventing burnout, I feel like that's the hard work, like prioritizing, like, you know, de-stressing, like taking a deep breath, sleep, right? Like, I always say to myself, I'm, um, I'm not living to work, I'm working to live. You know, it's like my mantra these days to keep myself in check. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to number five, which is we talked a little bit about doctors and things. uh, But when it comes to achieving a healthy pregnancy, one advocating for yourself, but in, in, in with that, taking an active approach. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, here's what I had to learn the hard way myself, which was that you assume that if you go to your OB or then you go to a reproductive endocrinologist, of course, they're going to do all of the testing, right. And give you all the information. And like the sad reality is it's not true for a host of reasons that we don't need to get into here. Um, But as a dietitian, it's like really amazing to be able to bridge the conventional medicine and like the testing they're doing and like going a step deeper and a step beyond um, to look at some of the root causes of what's going on behind your hormonal imbalances or you know, inability to get pregnant. So like some, some really, you know, basic ones that I like to do with my clients is if you go to your OB or your reproductive endocrinologist, they're not going to do a full thyroid panel or your vitamin D or your B12, you know, labs that we know are essential to be able to have a healthy pregnancy and prevent miscarriage. Um, But Danny also mentioned a Dutch test, which is something that I really love because it gives you a picture of not just your hormone levels, but also the metabolism of those hormones and how well your liver is functioning to be able to metabolize those hormones and your adrenal function. Like adrenal function is basically your stress response and how that's coming into play. So it just gives us so many more answers that you wouldn't get otherwise. And that, and that's like so many more avenues for making adjustments and, you know, getting you pregnant basically. And if someone says, let's say someone goes to their doctor and they're like, try for six months or try for 12 months, what can they do besides trying and waiting? I mean, honestly, I think you have to go outside of conventional preconception care and work with somebody like Danny or myself, who's a a functional dietitian or maybe a naturopathic doctor, but somebody who's willing to take a proactive approach with you and a preventive approach and help you get answers before there's a problem. Yeah. Prevention. I think it's opening your mind to like, you know, other healthcare models. And sometimes it's not that these these doctors don't want to order the test. Sometimes they can't order the tests because of where they work. That happened recently where, you know, someone told me, well, my my doctor can't order this because they work here and they can't they can't order this. So now I have to go somewhere else where they can. So sometimes it's not it's not their fault. It's just that's not something that they can do. Totally. No, I I think all doctors that I've ever worked with have the best of intentions and are using the toolbox they have in their, they have the tools they have in their toolbox. But sometimes you need other tools, you know, especially, I mean, the Kaiser system is a great example. And I understand that they're trying to lower costs. And by lowering costs, they don't run any tests unless there's a medical necessity. But that means you have to 
have a diagnosable issue before they'll run any tests. Um, and when it comes to making babies and being super healthy, you don't want to have a diagnosable issue. We want to get at it before you get there. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's best to test, not guest. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I have a bonus question for you. And I kind of, you mm-hmm. know, snuck in a little preview earlier, but it takes two to tango. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like fertility is so female focused. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like with us thinking about it in the near future, I feel like I'm thinking about all the things I'm taking the prenatals, I'm eating the salmon, all these things. And I'm like, what are the men doing? You know, like, what can they do? Because obviously sperm health is a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Takes two to tango, right? Um, And sperm health is a big thing. It really can influence the risk of miscarriage. So first of all, get a sperm analysis. And often that happens too late in the process. Like as soon as you're stopping the hormonal birth control, that's also the time to get a sperm analysis because they can look at the speed, the volume, the shape, you know, it's called the morphology of the sperm. And if things are out of whack, there's actually a lot they can do from a lifestyle perspective to get to improve the quality of the sperm. So it's good information to have because you can take action on it. Um, Some key nutrients from sperm health are zinc and selenium. And Danny, you mentioned the prenatal full well, but full well actually also makes a men's version that I really love. I think it's called virility and vitality. It's a men's prenatal. I love it. Men's prenatal. Heck yeah. Everybody's involved here. (laughs) Um, And then I think some other things that men can be doing is like taking a more proactive approach and doing all of the research and making appointments. And it's just a lot of like mental, emotional load that falls on a woman's shoulders to be figuring out like, am I fertile? What does this mean if I'm ovulating? Who do I need to go to for tests? How do I get answers? Like I, I, it's all, it's always women, I should say, who reach out to me initially for a consultation. And I would love to see some men being more proactive about finding answers and finding solutions. Because it takes two to tango. There you go, girl. Yeah, I yeah. I ordered my husband some just not a not a, you know, the prenatal or the, the vitamin you mentioned, but a multivitamin. I'm like, if I'm going to take these prenatals and these omega threes, it's like you're going to take like just a quality multivitamin. And I call them his prenatals. If he listens to this, he's not he's going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you mentioned this, <laughs> but I'll take mine. I'll be like babe, take your prenatals. And he's like, they're not prenatals. I'm like, well, basically they are at this point. Um, So pretty funny. But just because it's not just about us, like it's not just me, like you got to do the things too. Yeah, totally. And I do think that he should be taking the omegas too. So we're going to up his prenatals because omegas are really good for bringing down inflammation and protecting the quality of the sperm, right? The omega-3s are in the membrane of every cell, including sperm cells. So if your husband listens, it's my fault that we're upping his prenatals. I didn't. It's, it's not coming from me. Anna yeah. says <laughs> he does eat a lot of salmon. Uh, he works at at Helix, which is where I got the salmon last night, and he'll probably eat nice. that once a week. So there is some salmon in there, but it doesn't hurt to also take the omega three. All right, those were our our five essentials to prep your body for a healthy pregnancy with bonus number six about also sperm health and what men can do. Anna, before we, um, before we say our goodbyes, anything, any, any last tips, anything you want people, 
anything you want to leave people with? Because we we gave a lot of information, a lot of random yeah. side education as well. So so what's the one thing you want to leave people with? Yeah, feeling empowered. Like I want you to feel like you can take control of your fertility journey. And whether you're just beginning, like you're still on hormonal birth control, like there is a lot that you can do at this point to optimize your hormonal health and get yourself ready. And if you're already trying and like feeling frustrated that it's not working, but all the tests came back normal, I just want you to feel really hopeful that there are other avenues to explore and things that you can do. Um, yeah, take the reins, girl. That's what I want to leave you with. Take the reins. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anna. Yeah, thank you, Danny. This was fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.